Hello, and welcome to the Pet Wellness Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Bonder, a veterinarian with a passion for all things pet, experienced in holistic medicine, pet training, and you guessed it, pet wellness. This is a show where we not only talk about pet problems, we give solutions and suggestions for optimizing your pet's health. Each week, you'll hear thought-provoking advice and interviews, as well as actionable tips you can implement in your daily life. And now, here's your host. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Pet Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mike, and today we'll be discussing a topic that I've already mentioned on many of my past podcasts. Today's topic is on pheromones. And don't worry, if you've never heard of the word, you're going to be able to educate all your pet-loving buddies after today's episode. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Laura Damon. Laura's been a registered veterinary technician for over 17 years and has experience working in both private veterinary practice and even specialty referral services. She's been working for a large animal health company for the past seven years, supporting the education of clinic staff on various products, including pheromone products. She's the expert. It's funny, but she told me that her cat Sparkles, who's a domestic shorthair, and her blue healer Dash are gracious enough to let her share their home. Well, Laura, I'm excited to talk to you about pheromones today, so let's jump right into that interview. Hey, Laura, how's it going? Hi, good, thanks. How are you? Very good, thanks. Thank you so much for being on the Pet Wellness Podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Uh, you and I have uh, chatted about pheromones many a time, so you are certainly the resident expert, so I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here. Well, that's great. So I'd love to take our listeners through sort of a three-step journey, if that's okay. At first, I want to literally go back to basics, just simple facts, and talk about what pheromones are, because I'm sure there may be listeners that have no idea what a pheromone is. I know that I didn't know it until I got into vet school. And then I'd love to move to how pets can actually use pheromones to secretly communicate to one another, which I think will be really exciting. And then I want to finish it off talking about how our listeners can help use pheromones to improve the wellness of their pets, both physically and mentally. How does that sound? That sounds like a great plan. Great. So let's start with the simplest of questions. What are pheromones? Yes, that is a very simple question, but not a very simple answer. It's, it's a bit of an odd concept. It's a difficult one, I think, for us to understand because we don't necessarily communicate with pheromones as humans, right? So it's right. hard for us to relate to that sort of thing. So a pheromone is actually a chemical signal that is secreted from different areas around the body, and it will convey a different message, either good or bad, based on the area that it comes from. So it's not an odor, it's not a hormone. So it's not really anything that, that we use as humans to communicate with. Okay, that's cool. So they're not hormones. When I first heard the word pheromone, it, it rhymes with hormones. That's why I exactly, thought it might yeah. be. So it's yeah, a chemical. It's a, exactly, yeah. It's, that's, I think, where most of the mix-up comes from. The word kind of sounds like hormones, and we know what hormones are. We understand those. So they're sometimes used a little bit interchangeably, but they are completely different. Okay. So are there, are there different types of these chemicals, different types of pheromones? Uh, yeah. Generally speaking, uh, we've got social and environmental pheromones. And within these categories, the pheromones are kind of broken into 
appeasing or happy pheromones and alarm or scary pheromones. Oh, alarm or scary pheromones. So give me an example <laughs> of an alarm or scary pheromone. An alarm pheromone, I suppose the best example might be a, a cat. If we think about a cat, first of all, they're my favorite. I like to talk about cats. So if you ever had a cat in your home that was urine marking on something, maybe they're, they're spraying a little bit of urine places all around the house. So something has caused that cat to be nervous, anxious, and afraid. So he's leaving that little chemical signal from his urine to kind of leave himself a little message saying, oh, watch out, this place is scary. You have to watch your back around here. Interesting. Okay, so you just talked about urine. So I know one place where pheromones are secreted from. What are some of the other places that pheromones are secreted from in dogs and cats? So they come from all sorts of different regions and they'll leave a different message based on what region they come from. So urine, obviously we're aware what area that comes from. Um, Often we will get scratching. So cats tend to be maybe a bit more bit more of an alarm pheromone when they scratch things and they leave that pheromone from their foot pads. Dogs will do pheromones from their paws as well when they're digging outside. The mammary region as well is another important social area that pheromones will come from. When the mother cat has her kittens, she will emit a pheromone from that region to help the, the kittens feel like they are in a little cat family unit and it makes them feel familiar with the other cats. Another common one is from the facial region of a cat. I'm sure you've noticed your cat rubbing his little cheeks on things in the home. And that's often a happy or appeasing pheromone. So he's telling himself, I'm happy and safe and comfortable here. So I'm going to leave a little bit of pheromone around to remind myself. That's cool. I have to admit, I, for the longest time, again, I I always wondered Mm. why cats would always rub their Mm. face on me or on objects. And now I know why. And I hope all your listeners find that pretty fascinating. I don't Mm. think a lot of people know why cats rub their faces on different objects. The facial rubbing one is always, it's kind of a little bit misunderstood, I suppose. And it's looked at like a territorial marking thing, which is true, but the cat's not, if he rubs his face on you, he's not marking you as his property. He's marking you as happy and safe and familiar. So it's a little bit of a different way of looking at it. Well said. So a cat is rubbing their face on something. How do other animals perceive pheromones? You've talked about how they mm. put them out there. How do they perceive them then? Yeah, that this is really cool. And it's another kind of bit of an odd concept because it's not something that we can really relate to as humans. It's a bit more of a, a subconscious type of response. So once I explain it, I'm sure you'll be able to, if you have a cat, think back and notice your cat doing these behaviors, remembering them, doing them in in the past. And and I know I have a cat and my husband always points out and and shouts flame and response anytime she does it. So what they'll do, it's called the flame and response, is uh, they subconsciously will perceive a pheromone in the air and they'll do this action which with a cat, they'll just open their mouth a little tiny bit, make kind of an O shape with their mouth. It looks like you've kind of caught them doing something bad and they're saying, oh, should have done that. (laughs) (laughs) And what they're doing is they're sucking in a large sample of air so that they can kind of decipher what that message is in the pheromone. And so once they've sucked in that large sample of air by doing the funny action, The pheromone will attach to receptors in the vomeronasal organ, it's called. So 
different from the olfactory. They're not smelling it. It's a different organ along the same uh, position as that, but different organ entirely. Pheromone will attach to those receptors and then send a signal up to the brain to decipher whatever message it was that was in the pheromone. And then we'll get a behavior response based on whatever that pheromone told them. So whether it was a, a happy one or a scary one. I gotcha. So from the time the cat does the flame and response and takes the pheromone in, to it going to the brain and being perceived, how fast is that response? Mm -hmm. It's immediate. So as soon, yeah, as soon as they detect the pheromone and they get that signal up to the brain, they get the response right away. Right. That's cool. So that organ you mentioned, the vomeronasal organ, I, when I first heard that, vomit what? It's vomero, <laughs> right? It's an interesting name, vomeronasal yeah. organ. And where is that located in a cat or a dog? Um, it's on the roof of the mouth. So it's just alongside the olfactory system, but so it kind of lies underneath it. So that's why uh, a lot of the perception is that they're smelling these pheromones, but they're not. It's a completely separate organ in the same general area, but a completely separate organ. Great explanation. By the way, for all you horsey lovers out there, when Laura was describing the flaming response in a cat, it is the most obvious in a horse where they lift their upper lip up in this really pronounced curl. It almost looks like they're about to talk. So that's probably the most obvious flame and response in the animal kingdom. Tell me about dogs. What do, uh, can you recognize dogs mm -hmm. that are doing the flame and response? Dogs are a bit trickier, honestly. I don't think I've ever fully mastered whether the dog is just sniffing something or whether he's doing the flame and response, but they will open their mouth just a little bit. Oftentimes their lips are, are too long that you can't really see that it's open anyway. Right. Um, the tongue will be on the roof of the mouth. Again, unless you're sticking your head right in there, I'm not sure how you'd see that. And they'll make kind of a chuffing sound. So it's not quite a huffing sound, but it's a chuffing sound. They're a little bit trickier to uh, decipher. But I have heard from some reader friends that if you introduce an intact male to a female in heat, you know for sure it's the flame and response and it's not sniffing. Other than that, they're a bit trickier to tell. There you go. Perfect. So horses are really obvious. Cats are subtle and dogs. It's pretty difficult, essentially. I'd agree. Yep. So do cats sense dog pheromones and can dogs sense cat pheromones? Yeah, that's another great thing about pheromones. They're completely species specific. So it's like they have a little secret language. So a cat can only detect a cat pheromone, dog can only detect a dog pheromone, and we as humans don't detect any of them. <laughs> I just had this funny picture coming to my mind. You know, there's a lot of dogs and cats that really get along, and here's this dog and cat walking along, and they meet up with another cat, and the two cats start exchanging pheromones, Aww. and the dog's going, are you talking behind my back? Yeah, right, <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I digress, sorry about that. So let's talk about cats now. They're really unique when it comes to the use of pheromones. So let's turn our focus to cats and talk about their unique behaviors. They're pretty territorial, are they not? Yes, yes, they are. Cats are, are very, we look at them as being kind of particular, but cats are very connected to their environment and it's a very important part of their life. They're not kind of trying to be difficult. They just have a very strong connection and they like things to stay the same way. They will spend a portion of their day, whether you know that or not, 
organizing their territory and maintaining that organization. So they can become very stressed. Certain cats, not all of them, but they can become quite stressed if you bring home a new chair and you put your chair on the right side of the room. Well, that was the pathway that the cat used to get from the window to the kitchen. So now the cat has to rethink its entire life because you've, <laughs> you've upset its whole pathway by bringing in this new chair. Some cats can just kind of roll with the punches and say, oh, I guess I'm making a new plan today. But other cats just kind of lose their mind and start showing some very serious signs of stress because we've made those changes. Wow, that's interesting. And from what I've heard, uh, this happens even with the big cats, lions, tigers, mm -hmm. all the all the wild yeah. cats will do that as well. Mm -hmm. So here's a funny question. You know, everybody laughed at the, the time in Meet the Parents where uh, Ben Stiller asked the father-in-law about milking the cat. Where do we get these pheromones from? I mean, if we're going to produce pheromones for cats, do we take them from the cat? Uh, how does that work? That creates a really terrible vision in my mind. Uh, we do have pheromones available for our cats in the mass market. They are made synthetically now. So there was a lot of research that was done to come up with how to replicate these pheromones. So if we have animals that cats that are exhibiting stress behaviors in the home, and they are marking things inappropriately. They're leaving alarm pheromones around the house for you know whatever reason. You move to the chair and they're very upset. We can use synthetic pheromones to kind of change that message that they've left. So for example, if we were to use a synthetic version of the facial pheromone, an environmental pheromone, it just kind of fills up the house with that, no, no, I'm happy and safe and comfortable pheromone. It's like, They've written a note and sat it down that says this place is dangerous and you've used the synthetic pheromone to pick up that note and put down another one that says, no, you're not. Everything is fine. Exactly. I mean, when I did my fear-free certification, which I know you did as well, one thing we learned is using that facial pheromone in the practice just makes that odd environment mm -hmm. seem surprisingly more comfortable to the cat. Yeah, absolutely. That's a perfect example, actually. When a cat comes into the vet clinic, they're not in a safe and familiar environment. So obviously, they're not going to leave happy pheromones around there. So if they get there and they're already detecting these synthetic happy pheromones, then we've left a note for them that says, no, you're happy. You know where you are. You're comfortable here. Exactly. Okay, so that's the facial pheromones. Uh, what other ones are available for kitties? Um, we also have a synthetic version of the mammary pheromone. So as I mentioned earlier, when the uh, mother cat has her kittens, it will detect that pheromone and it creates a little bit of a, a kitty cat family unit. So if we have cats in the home that are not getting along with each other for whatever reason, they were friends and now they are not friends. And where cats are sometimes a little bit like uh, teenagers and they had a fight and they have a hard time figuring out how to get over it. Detecting this mammary pheromone gives them the message that, oh, no, this is my kitty cat family. I, I know who this guy is. Gotcha. Okay. So those are the two big ones, the facial pheromone and the mammary pheromone. And they obviously say different things to different cats. Exactly. Okay. So what forms do these kind of pheromones come in? If you were going to use them in your house, uh, what formats do they come in and, and what are the advantages of, of each one? 
Mm -hmm. um, they are available as a diffuser, so a, a plug-in diffuser that would kind of fill up your whole room, or just as a spray, so for spot treatment of things. So whichever fits with your situation and your lifestyle best. Gotcha. So give me an example of where you would use the spray for the facial pheromone, for instance. Um, something like that. The ideal place would be probably travel, transport in the car. So a lot of cats are very uncomfortable in their crate. And that kind of starts way back. The crate, where does it get stored? You know, in the attic. So it comes out the day that the cat needs to go somewhere. It's a new piece of uh, equipment in the house, first of all. So already the cat's a little suspicious of what's going on. And then we grab them, shove them in there, and then shove them into a car, which they don't know what the heck a car is. It's just some sort of box that's flinging around all over the place, all sorts of new noises. So it's a very, very stressful event for a cat. Seems like nothing to us, but it's very stressful for a cat. So using the facial pheromone spray in the crate is an excellent option because it helps the cat feel like he's familiar and comfortable with that area. Um, Perfect. The spray also becomes a little bit handy and in, in if you have any sorts of problems with scratching or urine marking, that sort of thing in the house, you can put some spray over top of where they're leaving those inappropriate pheromones to right at the source, put the appropriate pheromone. Perfect. So before we move on to dogs, let's just summarize the different uses of the different pheromones and what scenarios they're best for. Uh, yeah, well, the uh, diffuser is probably the, the best option in your home if you have generalized anxiety. And the spray can be really great to target specific areas if you've got, you know, a, a specific area that the cat scratches or urine marks. And it's a really excellent option for crate travel, which can be very, very stressful for some cats. Those ones that you just mentioned are the the facial pheromone. When it comes to the mammary pheromone, what's the best method for that one? Uh, mammary pheromone, I believe, is only available in a diffuser. So the mammary pheromone is, is best used if you have two cats that were friends, they did have a relationship, and now they are just not getting along for whatever reason. So it helps them to re recreate that bond that they had before. Gotcha. Okay. We love our kitties, but now let's move on for a sec to dogs. What pheromones are available for dogs? Oh gosh, yes. Dogs, dog behavior is, everybody always picks on cats. The cats are so difficult, but dog behavior is so much more complicated, in my opinion, to cats because how dogs respond to events, it's typically shaped by, you know, whatever experiences that they've had during their socialization period of about three to 18 weeks of age. Any fears that developed during that time are often carried through life. So the pheromone that we have available for dogs, it's the mammary pheromone, just like with cats, but the mammary pheromone in dogs works a little bit differently. It gives them a feeling of confidence. So when the, the dog is younger, when he's a puppy and he's with his mother, he detects that pheromone and he's not quite so shy about things because he, uh, mother is looking after me. I don't have to be afraid. But when we have a, an older dog, an adult dog, you know, that comes to live with us. It doesn't have its its mother dog with him anymore. So he's a little unsure. He's, I don't know if uh, things probably okay, but I don't know, maybe it's not. And they're a little too nervous to go and check it out. So having that mammary pheromone with them helps them have a little bit more courage to check out those new situations and then have a better experience and shape better responses for the future. Excellent. 
That's interesting. I think that a lot of times when you say mammary pheromone, cats and dogs, they probably think that it does the same thing, but it sounds mm-hmm. to me like they're completely yeah. different things. It's very different. Yeah. Yeah. So what forms come for the mammary pheromone for dogs? For the mammary pheromone, we have, uh, there's a diffuser available and a spray, just like with cats, but there's also a collar format, which is kind of nice because dogs are used to wearing a collar. So it's easy for them. It's comfortable. And typically dogs kind of roam a little bit farther, especially these days, we don't let our cats go outside like we used to. So dogs uh, go out for walks, they go to the vet, they go to parks. And a lot of the times you're kind of unsure with certain dogs, what situation is there going to be nervous in? So having that pheromone with them all the time can be very helpful. Yeah, that makes sense. How does the collar work? It's it's kind of like they're wearing their own personal diffuser. So the the pheromone is um, impregnated into the plastic collar and the body heat from the dog will activate the pheromone to diffuse from the plastic. Very interesting. So <laughs> I remember asking this question long ago and I'm going to ask you because there may be, our, our listeners may be asking it. So you talked about the feline pheromone becoming in a spray and diffuser and the canine pheromone coming in a spray and diffuser. Why don't they have a pheromone collar for cats? Why don't we have a collar for cats? It's a, that's a great question. There's a, a couple of different reasons. First of all, cats just generally don't tend to wear collars. And, and some of them, uh, my cat in particular, did the old crocodile roll when I tried to put a collar on her. If you if you have a cat, you might be familiar with what the crocodile roll is. That's fair. Um, and <laughs> it was not a fun experience. No. Second of all, cats with the facial pheromone It's an environmental pheromone, makes them feel happy and safe and comfortable. So if that cat happened to get outside, everywhere he went, he would be detecting that happy, safe and comfortable pheromone. So a cat that perhaps got out by accident, you know, could potentially be gone and not have a care in the world until it's too late. That makes sense. Yeah. If you want to put your pheromone somewhere rather than wearing it all the time. Is what you're exactly. Saying. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Makes total sense. Let's finally talk about what scenarios would be the best to use the mammary pheromone in a dog. The first thing that always comes to mind for me are puppies, because they have, uh, first of all, they've just freshly lost the mother pheromone. We're great with our puppies. We're great with our dogs. We, we look after them. We give them everything that they could possibly need. But we can't be a dog. We can't turn into a dog and give them uh, that mother pheromone. So that's what the uh, synthetic mammary pheromone can do to them. It kind of gives them back that final piece of the puzzle that's missing. Everything, as I mentioned about the socialization period that happens when they're young. So everything that they encounter is new and potentially scary. So giving them them back that pheromone helps them be a little bit more confident when they're you know going to their puppy classes and meeting new people. And it helps them to shape better behaviors. So that's the number one I always think of. Um, Love it. By the way, I just wanted to jump in to say that Mm -hmm. I don't think people realize how scary life can be for a puppy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and we have these lovely little puppies and they're so happy, but there's so many things that are frightening to them. And they Mm -hmm. may just, like you say, roll with the punches, but it might affect them later on in life. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I witnessed the absolute perfect description of why a puppy should use a pheromone like this several, uh, a month or so ago when I was out 
checking out some garage sales on a Saturday morning and I saw a woman with a little black lab puppy and he had to have been Oh, how old was he? A couple, couple months old anyway. And he was so, so happy bouncing around. His tail was wagging. I thought, oh my gosh, I have to say hello. So I went over to the lady and I, I bent down and I said, hello. And that puppy immediately went behind the woman, tucked his tail under, sat down and wouldn't come out. And just, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not a scary looking person and I wasn't loud. I went over quietly and gently. And this puppy who 30 seconds prior was like, looked like the happiest thing in the world came into a situation where he thought, Oh, I don't know about this. I don't know who you are. Why are you here? And he is like the absolute, I wish I could have filmed it. He was the textbook case of why a puppy should have a pheromone. Right. That makes total sense. If I would have saw that puppy in my head, I would have gone, you're going to have some problems later. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was saying under my breath. Yeah. Because those little fear moments when they're young and impressionable like that. Wow. They mm-hmm. certainly last for a long time. They make time. a big difference, yeah. They do. Um, and pheromones can work well in any dog at any age. So they will never lose the ability to understand the message in that pheromone. But the problem becomes when we have older dogs that have behaviors that were shaped when they were younger. So as we get older, as dogs get older, mild behavioral problems pheromones can work really lovely for so a dog that doesn't like the car ride is a really lovely example pants and paces and drills just helps to kind of settle them down and make them feel comfortable or a dog that just gets a little bit nervous when you leave the home and he maybe you hear him barking at the window or he paces back and forth a little bit it can be really nice to settle those animals down and then as they get older pheromones are a really lovely adjunct to other therapies or other medications they they might need in their senior years. Excellent. So as I was listening to you talking, I have this great story that I want to share with you as well. I had this older dog who I'd known for its entire life. And this dog was very shy, would always hide behind the owner. And I would always be really quiet and get down and try to give him a treat. And he would come over a little bit and let me pet him and his tail would wag a bit. And then he'd run behind his mom again. And when I finally discovered pheromones, I remember I sprayed myself with, with the mammary pheromone on my scrub top and he came in and I bent down. He came right up to be a lot faster. And instead of running behind his mom, he stood there. Now he didn't turn into the perfect dog, but he was a much calmer dog. And so let's pretend a dog has an eight out of 10 where 10 is the worst pheromones might actually get them down to a six out of 10 or a five out of 10, which may not be enough for you as the owner to notice a difference, but trust me, there is a difference. Mm -hmm. So I agree that they work so much better on dogs like puppies who are really zero out of tens, right? They start off as a perfect blank slate. That's the ideal time to use pheromones. But I still do believe that they can be used, as you mentioned, as an adjunct with other medications I still think they should be used on every dog that's fearful or anxious. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And pheromones, I mean, they're so, they're so easy. They're so benign. Why wouldn't we just try something like that? You know, and we, there, there is something that we can relate to is stress and anxiety. And we know how horrible that feels. So, you know, some, sometimes a hug from your best friend just isn't quite enough to calm you down. So a little bit extra, like a pheromone, goes such a long way. A pheromone's either great with the drug 
or on its own. It's a lovely natural way of doing things, which I, which I exactly. love. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I wanted to end it off with something that I read and I want to share it with you, Lauren. I'm going to share it with the listeners as well, but I read a recent article about pheromones and people. So the first thing I have to tell everybody is that pheromones are certainly not love potion number nine. Though a lot of people think they are, <laughs> they're not. And the role of pheromones in humans is still pretty uncertain because we don't possess that vomeronasal organ like dogs and cats do. So we don't even have the organ really to appreciate pheromones. However, there is a lot of new evidence to show that humans actually do secrete pheromones from different areas of their body, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, that's very interesting. It is. And I know that they're always doing ongoing research into uh, potential other pheromones that dogs and cats might possess that we don't know about yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's continual. It's a very interesting field. It is. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the Pet Wellness Podcast. That was very informative. I appreciate your time and have a wonderful yes. rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It was great. Take care. Pleasure. You too. Bye. Bye. Well, I really hope that this podcast illustrates how pheromones can naturally relieve a lot of fear, anxiety, and stress in our pets. If you have any questions about pheromones, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at podcast at petwellnessadvocate.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. And remember, our pets deserve our best. If you're excited to hear more about how you can become a pet wellness advocate, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Thanks for spending time with us today.